chapter 17 tonight. Revelation chapter 17. I'm going to try to get through this chapter if we can. And I've been enjoying the study of Revelation. For those of you that are just coming in to join us, uh, we've been going through this book for quite a while. So I, I hope and pray that the Lord uh, gives you what you need um, out of the teaching tonight. It's a little bit hard to jump in this far into a teaching like this because this is not a, not a simple teaching. This is some of the deeper teachings in the Bible. What I want you to understand is this. I would like to say this to you. Most all of you know this, but uh, we have a couple of first-time visitors tonight that we're really happy to have. Glad you're here. And I want you to understand that here's, here's where I stand, which you probably already know some, something about us before getting here. But I believe the Bible is the Word of God. All right? What I mean by that is that this book right here that I hold in my hand, printed in your language, I believe this is the Word of God. Let me, let me get a little bit more specific. I don't just believe this is the Word of God. I believe it's the words of God. I believe every word of God is pure because God said it. I believe that he, he preserved it from this generation forever. I believe that it's a foundation you can build your life on and that you can bank your, you can bet your eternal soul on what this book says about your soul. So there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm not here to interpret the Word of God. I'm not here to, 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 to try to tell you what it means and to make all the, you know, when I, when I say that, what I mean is this, tell you what I think it should be saying. I'm here to teach the Bible the way the Bible is written. We don't twist it. We don't change it. We don't correct it. We don't compromise it. So tonight we're looking at Revelation chapter 17, and I've been showing how this is clearly the Roman Catholic Church. And I know that's offensive nowadays. People get real offended by that kind of stuff. You know, you shouldn't attack somebody else's religion. Well, I'm not attacking individuals that believe that truth. I want everybody to know that. I'm not offend attacking individuals that believe that stuff. Uh, I don't personally attack people that don't believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I don't attack people that are Muslims. But I absolutely will tell them the truth. You understand the difference, right? doesn't mean I hate the individual. Of course I don't. But what you will see if you listen to me is you will see an absolute deep-seated, passionate disdain and hatred for religious dogmas and religious leaders who lie to people in the name of God to get their money. I have, I have an absolute unadulterated hatred for that stuff. That is as demonic as it gets. You can't get more demonic than a man who stands in a pulpit and opens up a Bible and then lies to people to get their money or to promote himself. And that is exactly what religion does. So my job isn't to interpret the Bible for you and, and to try to, well, that's not, I know what it says, but that's not what it means. What it means is now listen to me and my religion. Listen to me and my opinion. And by the way, you can't argue with me because the Bible's copies of copies of copies and it's been translated by men and I know the originals and you don't, so... Now we're just dead in the water. That's what they do. You see how that's a trick of the trade? How are you going to debate somebody like that? When he says, well, it's copies of copies of copies, and as they copied it, errors showed up. And so you have to go back and know Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and Latin and all this stuff. And since you don't know any of that, you can't know what God says. You come to me and trust me because I went to school and learned all that stuff. And so you have no way of proving whether or not I'm right or wrong. So trust me by blind faith. That's demonic. 
I believe God gave you the words of God because God loves you and wants you to know personally, directly from God, what God says about you, where you're going to spend eternity, whether you're on your way to heaven tonight or whether you're on your way to hell tonight. God wants you to know that. And that's why he gave you that book, and it's written on, a, the, on an average. See, all the scholars will tell you. And the modern-day lingo that everybody buys, and just, they just puke it back as though they really know what they're talking about, which drives me nuts. <laughs> and, I, and I'm gracious about it when I'm just talking to average Christians. I try to be real gracious about it. But it drives me nuts that they repeat what was sold them without ever validating what they're hearing. If we're talking about where you're going to spend eternity... In hell, the lake of fire. Or with your sins forgiven in heaven with God, if we're talking about eternity, you ought to validate that. Well, what they tell you is, is, you know, it's really hard to understand, so you need a new version to make it simpler so you can get a hold of it. Well, that's awful insulting. First of all, why are you saying I'm too stupid to understand archaic English? Second of all, the fact of the matter is, is that if you average the Bible out, the Bible on average is written on a sixth grade level. Some parts of the Bible, the grammar's higher than that. Other parts of the Bible, the grammar's way lower than that. What's very interesting to me is that if you go back and you look at the book of John, the Gospel of John, one of the best Gospels there is, if you're trying to figure out whether you're on your way to heaven or hell, one of the best Gospels there is is the Gospel of John. It just presents Jesus Christ very clearly. It just is very simple. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, not was a God, by the way, was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You look at all all the words I'm giving you, it's very simple. When it comes to your soul's salvation, when God writes stuff out, he doesn't even make it, it's not even on a sixth grade level. A little kid that's old enough to understand heaven and hell and right and wrong and sin and righteousness, a kid that's this big can read that gospel and understand what it's saying to him. So they're lying to you. And when they come to the book of Revelation, they try to say, well, it's all an allegory. It's all a picture. Okay, so... How do we even make heads or tails out of it? Okay, now let me explain it to you. I had a new one come across my plate this week from a real good guy. He's trying to witness to some folks that uh, I told them, more power to you, you go for it, I'm staying out of it. I just, maybe God will use you there, but I don't get into any of that stuff. But he came across some stuff I never heard of in my life. And I thought I'd heard it all. I'm talking about whacked out. I mean, it's whacked out as whacked out can get. Like nothing, I mean, there's like literally no biblical basis for anything they're saying but they grab enough Bible to try to make it fit. What they're saying is that the millennial kingdom is already over. And that right now, Lucifer's like loosed right now. And that there's this 250 year period and all this kind of stuff. And that we're coming to the end of that. And that in 2026 is going to be the end. And that's when Gog and Magog is going to kick off. But you're actually already past the millennium. I, I said, he said, well, how do you debate that? I said... Where, where are these wackos coming from? Well, they believe that, you know, it's our righteousness that saves us. I said, they're not even born again. You don't debate Bible with lost people. The natural man cannot perceive the things of God. They're spiritually discerned. Neither can he know them. 
So you just, you, you get them the gospel, that's what you do, and you focus on the gospel. They're as lost as they could be, but this stuff's out there on the YouTube and all the rest of that stuff. It's out there on the internet, and people are buying all this garbage. Listen, as we've been going through Revelation, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that a bunch of you are having light bulbs going off in your head, and you're like, wow, this isn't as difficult as I thought it was, right? I mean, is, that, is anybody feeling that, like, this has been kind of fun and really kind of been a blessing? And it really makes a lot of sense, and I'm kind of getting my bearings as to where I'm at. And I'm looking forward to Jesus getting here. I hope it's 2026, but that's a long way off. I mean, I'm praying for 2024. And if it's 2033, hallelujah, glory to God, praise the Lord. And if it's longer than that, I'm bummed. But I want to live today like he's coming today and plan like I'm going to die of old age. So we don't believe in twisting the Bible around and trying to make it fit what we believe or our agenda I showed you last time that it's very obvious who this woman is in Revelation 17, who's riding the beast. We went through in verse number four her colors, and we showed you that those colors are all colors of the Roman Catholic Church. I even read it to you from their own printouts and what those colors represent and how those are the colors of the church, and we saw that last time. You can go back and listen to that on the internet, if you're interested at all, there's purple and scarlet and decked with gold. And I, I talked to you about the chalice and how the chalice has to be decked with gold, even in, even in poverty-stricken countries. And precious stones and pearls, those are throughout the Bible, the types of the souls of men, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So she's holding the golden cup. Well, I mean, what church do you know that has... Purple and scarlet, gold and silver, and a, and a cup as part of their worship service. And out of that cup, what are they drinking? Well, it's wine, but they say it's what? Now, I'm not making anything up. I'm telling you exactly what the Bible says word for word. And look at verse number 5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great. The mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Well, all this stuff keeps coming out all the time, you know. All the debauchery going on. You wonder why there's so many sexual sins going on and all that stuff. It's because they won't listen to what God said. He said it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let a man have his own wife. Right? With the temptation, he makes a way of escape. He talks about forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. And he says it's doctrines of devils. So you're going to put men in a position where they get in a confessional booth with women, tell me all your sins, and tell that man he's not allowed to be married. And then you wonder what's going on. I'll tell you exactly what's going on. It's not rocket science, okay? I'll tell you exactly what's going on. You're not obeying what God said. Your entire church structure is shaking your fist in the face of God and expecting a positive result. You don't think God knows human nature? You don't think God knows men? And by the way, how are you going to counsel me about marriage if you've never been married? Don't come talk to me about teenagers if you don't have teenagers. Amen? I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying, like, no, you don't get it. Okay, so let's, we'll talk later. I, I, it's just absolutely agitating. It's agitating to me to think this guy's going to sit there and talk to you about marriage. You don't know what it's like to go through it. You got to suffer a little. I mean, you got you to experience it in order for you can counsel people. Amen? How, how is some woman going to give advice Miss Grace gives? If she hasn't been married 21 years, she can't say, well, in my experience, what I did when I was in your boat is I sat back and prayed 
And God hears the prayers of women like you wouldn't believe. And I poured my heart out to God and I backed off on my husband. And you know what that idiot did more than once? And she doesn't say it that way. I'm adding that in. You know, I have a little bit of liberty because we're one flesh and the author can quote his work however he wants. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that made sense. <laughs> Anyways, you know what that idiot did? And this has happened more than once. I come to her. Hey, honey, you know what I've been thinking? I said, hmm, wonder where you got that from. She doesn't tell me till later, you know what I mean? I've been praying for that exact thing. Now, wow, you ain't never experienced something like that, and you're going to tell other people how to do it, you know. Be real careful. Listen to me cautiously. Be very careful about people that want to bring you in under their wing to tutor you, to disciple you. I pick my mentors. They don't pick me. I'll never forget years ago I had some religious leader at a church. And he, he knew that we were kind of young and started trying to figure out where we were going or what we were doing. And he come up to me in the fellowship hall and he, he pulls a chair up. He don't know me from Adam. And he obviously didn't have much of a social IQ either, even though he had a big church. And he, and he puts his chair kind of parallel to me like, or, or, or kind of crossways to me. I'm sitting this way. My wife was next to me and he's here. And he turns toward me, like facing me this way. So I'm turning sideways to look at him. He's a real tall guy. He put one leg behind my chair and the other one kind of like in front of my chair. And he put his arm on the back of my chair and his other arm on the table. And I'm thinking like, back up, old man. Like, you're thinking awkward. This is weird. And he says, you know, hey, listen, uh, we, we need a youth pastor. And uh, I, I, I want to hire you. We got, a, we got a house for you. It's not a real nice house. It's a, it's a single wide, but it'll get you started and a small salary. But we'd like to, we'd like to get you in here and get you hired and, and get you started. And I'll give you chances to preach and you'll be able to preach for us and all. And I'm like, he, he literally knew people that know me, but has never met me. I got like the creepy crawlers. You understand what I'm talking about? Guess what? 10 or 15 years exposed. Something wasn't right. Let's just leave it at that. I'm real careful about religious leaders that like to tell me what I want to hear and give me what I want. And that's what you've got going on in this entire generation is a bunch of people telling you what you want to hear and giving you what you want and handing you what they work for their whole life. They're willing to just hand it to you. This pulpit didn't come cheap. You understand that? That stuff aggravates me. There's more to this stuff than money. And this church is a whore. You know why? The motive of this church, what's the motive of a whore? It's all about the money. That's what this church is doing. It's all about the money. This is still the richest church on the planet. Look at verse number six. Oh, by the way, Mystery Babylon the Great, the Mother of Harlots, and Abominations of the Earth, 13 letters. I know, you know, the King James Bible is not inspired. And, you know, Bible-believing guys make too much out of it, you know. But Genesis 13, 13 is the first time sinner shows up, and it's men of Sodom. You just got to make a choice. You either believe God did what he said he was going to do and preserved a perfect book and gave it to you, or you don't believe that. That's just all there is to it. And the more you study that book and examine it prayerfully and humbly, Asking God, is this it? The more that Bible is going to show you, that's the words of God you're holding in your lap and you can trust it like we talked about this morning. Verse 6, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So this woman is drunken with the blood of saints and the blood of martyrs. 
well, you need to just go get you uh, uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And, and, uh, and, and what's the other one I mentioned to you last time? You remember? It's escaping me right now. Martyrs Mirrors. Yeah, you need to go get those books. You, you, can, you can get them off of Amazon or whatever. You need to buy them. You know what you'll find? You'll find the Roman Catholic Church for centuries killed people like you and I. Yes, sir. Do you know their actual belief system is still that you're damned? Yes, sir. If you're not a member of their church, if you're specifically a member of a church like this, you're damned. There's no salvation outside of what they call the Holy Mother Church. Okay, okay, that's, that's, that's fine. You can say what you want. You can believe what you want. That's your right. We're Americans. You know, we got our rights. So you got a right to say and believe anything you want. But before I listen to you and before I follow your leadership, would you please open up the Word of God and show me where that's at in the Bible? You know what the response is? You can ask me. Every last one of you can ask me. Preacher, can you show me the verses on that? Why do you believe that? Can you, you just ask me and I'll answer your questions. And I don't get mad. Even if you're, even if you're, even once in a while somebody gets stupid with me. It hasn't happened in a while, but even when somebody gets stupid with me, I don't get mad. I laugh at them. You just want to argue, man. I already answered your question. Have a nice day. <laughs> I love questions. You know what they'll ask you when you ask them a question? Can you show me that in the Bible? You know what their response is? Well, you don't know the Bible. Well, you got to know the originals. Well, there's errors in the Bible. Oh, there's errors in the Bible, but there's no errors in what you say, huh? Who's God? You mean he can speak the world into existence. He can, and he made the stars also. That's his explanation for how he got it done. And he made the stars also. And then scientists say there's how many over 100 billion in our galaxy and there's probably 200 billion more galaxies and there's billions and billions of stars. And he said, yeah, Abraham, if you can number the stars, then I'll show you how many seeds you're going to have. You know what he's saying? You can't number the stars. You know what they're just now figuring out? You can't number the stars. They're guessing. That God, the God that formed man out of the dust of the earth and then said, and he opened up his eyes and said, well, hey, God. Hey, boy, how you doing? I'm great. <laughs> that God can't, can't, listen, think about this for a second. That God can't give you a book? <laughs> he can send his son from billions of light years away in the blink of an eye to show up and become human. God manifest in the flesh. That was God. It's a mystery. Now we're going through the mysteries on the fourth Sunday. You know what one of the mysteries is right here? It's mystery Babylon the Great. I'll show you that in a second. That God manifest in the flesh was walking around a human. He had to have his diaper changed. He had to be bathed. He had to learn to crawl. He had to learn to talk. He had to learn to walk. He had to go through everything you go through. He had to be put in flesh and grow and mature and slowly but surely get there just like every one of you. But he was God. But he submitted himself to being what we are. And while he was walking around on this planet in human flesh, he was sitting on a throne in outer space somewhere billions of light years away at the same time. Uh, that's one of the mysteries, right? And that same God says he's in every one of us, if you're saved. 
If you're not saved, he ain't in you. you know, don't listen to what this world tells you, this wacky stuff, this new age, wacky, weird line of thinking, you know, speaking your truth and we're all gods. And I was witnessing to somebody recently and, 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 and he just took what I said. I, you remember it, right? Anna was sitting right there. I don't even remember what I said. And you said, I saw that you guys were on totally different pages. And he was like, yes, that's right. We're all divine or something weird like that. And I was like, that's not what I'm saying. And I went back and explained to him what I was saying. And he got visibly offended. And the other guy over here was like, this guy wasn't offended. He was interested and he agreed with me. And this guy was mad as soon as I said, you ain't a God. And you ain't got God in you either. You don't believe in Jesus Christ. You don't believe he was the son of God. You don't believe he died on the cross to take away your sins. You believe none of that stuff. You ain't even got him in you. He's in you while he's sitting out there. And then he says, you're there and you're one body, but you're a bunch of different bodies. <laughs> yeah, it's called a mystery. And pastors are supposed to teach you those mysteries. And they're not supposed to have all the answers. Because if I had all the answers, I'd be God. I'm supposed to build your faith in that book, and you get enough answers out of that book where you got the evidence. I had an older guy ask me that recently. He's a very brilliant man, or he thinks he is, and I think he is too, but maybe he's not. You know, maybe he's just learned how to sound smart. I don't know, but I think he's a smart guy. And he said to me, he's like, well, it's blind faith then. And I said, well, you just kind of went a little too fast there. I said, it's faith for sure, but the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know what I do as much as I can? I quote as much Bible to him as I can off the top of my head. You know why? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As much as I can, I quote as many scriptures as I can off the top of my head when I'm witnessing to him because I'm trying to get the Bible into him. And I figure everybody else that's walking by is listening because, you know, he starts lowering his voice when they're walking by. And I just raise mine a little more. You know what I mean? That, that God gave you a book, and that book is so powerful in your lap that if that book had one error in it, this world would explode because the Bible says the world's held together by the Word of God. That's a wild thought. But these guys don't want you to know the Bible. And when you're a Bible believer like we are, and you stick with the name of Jesus Christ and salvation by grace through faith in His name, and you reject religion... Throughout the centuries, they've murdered you. They've murdered your forefathers. And that's real historical fact. So this woman is, is so wicked. And the funny thing about it is, notice this, he's, a, he, he's, he's sitting there and he's wondering at her. Now, it's important for you to understand when he talks about wondering at her. That word ad is from the Latin root at. And wonder comes from from Merari, admiration. I'm sorry, admiration. Ad, that ad comes from at. And Merari is the Latin root for admiration. Do you follow me? So it, mean, it means to, you know what it means? It means to wonder at. He wasn't admiring her the way you would say it. Now watch this. Now let me show you something. I told you when you run across words in the King James Bible that Nowadays in modern English, people don't understand or use accurately, right? So an old sense of that admiration, when I say he admired her, he wondered with her with great admiration, your first response is in modern sloppy, lousy, deteriorating, terrible English language, your modern response is admir he's admiring her, right? That's not the old English words. Oh, the Bible needs to be updated. No, it doesn't. That Bible that God gave you will educate you. I told you already that it starts out th that there's a variety in the Bible of English grammar levels, right? 
averaged out, it's about sixth grade. You read your Bible cover to cover every year and you watch what happens to your intellect. You watch yourself get smarter. It'll educate you. Now, here's one of the ways it educates you because there are some archaic words in the King James Bible. I'm not going to say every word in the King James Bible isn't archaic. But I've showed you that almost every time you find them, the definition to that word that you might not understand is in the text. Which is mind-blowing. It had to be God. Nobody's this brilliant to do this on multiple different continents over hundreds of, a couple thousand years, over 40 different authors. Nobody's that brilliant to be able to put that together like that. God did it. Admiration is to wonder at. I saw, when I saw her, I, what? With great admiration. Your definition of admiration is to wonder at. The definition's right there in the text. Ain't that wild? So when he's wondering, he's looking at her, and what's blowing his mind is, this is a church. And this church claims the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't say they don't. They claim the name of Christ. They claim that they're her bride. They claim to believe the Bible and the Gospels and the death and the burial and the resurrection. And John's looking at it like, what is this mystery? This is a church that is, that is, that is a, a great whore that is the bride of Lucifer. She's riding the beast. She's murdering saints and drinking their blood. She's got all these colors and this golden cup and all these things. He's, his mind is blown by the fact that what it is that's crucifying, murdering, destroying the body of Jesus Christ claims the name of Christ. Yeah. Isn't that scary? What have I taught you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again? The more you learn about the devil, the more you understand he likes to copycat everything God does. God has a church, Lucifer has a church. God has a book, Lucifer has a book. God has a bride, Lucifer has a bride. God has ministers, Lucifer has ministers. God has angels, Lucifer has angels. He copycats everything God does because he said, I will be like the Most High. You know, we, we're fine upstanding folk. You know, we got great careers and great jobs. And, you know, we're trying to take care of our families and we're hardworking people, right? So we look at people like, you know, the, the crackhead, the street person, the whore. We look at people like the drug addict, the drunk. And we think, oh, that's the devil's work. Folks, that's the work of the flesh. You do understand that the devil may be involved in some of that, especially if you're sitting in a church pew right now, and you're a young kid who's been taught better, and you haven't been raised around any of that stuff at all, and then you go to school and you got some demon-possessed little rat next to you trying to say, come on, man, just try it. Why you got to be a goody-goody? Come on, chicken. That might be demonic. But for the vast majority of this world, what you're looking at is not like, oh, it's the devil. I know somebody who messed her kid up so bad because she told him he's demon-possessed because he has tattoos. That's the devil. You're demon-possessed. Who are you? Who do you think you are? You got some kind of like x-ray vision that you can see the spirit world? And where'd you get that in the Bible? Now, I don't think you should get a tattoo, kids. If you're not tattooed up, don't get one. Because if you get one, we'll take it off. And you will not enjoy that. Amen? But I'm just saying. I mean, our church is full of tattoos. People, these people are getting saved later in life and coming to the Lord and whatever. You know? I mean, thank God. They say, she says you're demon-possessed because you got tattoos. Where did you get that from the Bible? That's a work of the flesh. 
trying to beautify the flesh or whatever you're doing. You think you look better with the dumb thing. I mean, I don't know, whatever, man. I got, I got a guy who got saved, man. He loved the Lord. He got saved. He was so fired up. He knew nothing about it. And the first thing I do is I sit down and say, now don't go getting tattoos and don't go drinking beer. and don't. I Give him time to grow, right? He runs out. He gets all excited. He comes back in the next Sunday. He pulls his sleeve up. He's like, look, pastor. And he had a big old tattoo of a cross on his wrist right there. He still was glossy and all that stuff. You know, he's like, look at that. I just figured from now on, every time I shake somebody's hand, I can get a chance to witness to him, you know, because I tell him I got saved. I got... I'm like, oh, man, Kevin, you're crazy, man. It, it's the flesh. Do you understand the point that I'm making? Now, listen, you know where Lucifer really works? And by the way, not to make light of the flesh, you're told to put that stuff off. You understand that, right? You sow to the flesh, you'll the flesh reap corruption. You understand that, right? You know where Satan really works? Oh, yeah, man. Religion. His ministers appear as ministers of righteousness. Your best life now. Ye shall be as gods, knowing. Yea, hath God said, I showed you this morning, the heathen in Psalm 115, they show up, they ask a question, where's their God now? A question. Everything the devil wants to do is get you to doubt God and question God and question his word. I'm not here for that. I know I'll never have a megachurch unless God works a miracle. It would take a miracle of God in this day and age. I don't care. I would rather have a handful of people that want the truth and love the truth, and I would rather faithfully help you get established in the truth and apply that Bible to your life so it can go with you day to day and make a difference in your life than to ever build a mega church or the salary that comes with it. Because that's usually the motivation. So he's a wondering at her. His mind's blown by this. At verse number seven, the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman. So he's going to explain it to us now. And of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. Now watch this. Ready? The beast that thou sawest was. So this beast is in the past. Right? Watch it. And is not. At the time of the writing, the beast wasn't there. Now watch. And shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. You see that? So that beast was. At that point, the beast was in the bottomless pit. And he said, the beast is going to come up out of the pit. Like I've already showed you as we've gone through Revelation, he's going to get released. He's going to come up out of the pit, right? And it says, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they beheld the beast that was... And is not, now watch it, you ready? And yet is. The beast was, is not, yet is. You see what he's mimicking? The alpha, the omega. The beginning, the end. Was, is, and is to come. That's Lucifer. And he said, now, now this beast was, is not, yet is, and is coming. Are you sufficiently confused? Good. Go back to John chapter 13. <clears throat> 
So the best commentary on, Bible, on the Bible is what? Oh, really? You mean it's not a scholar? You don't have some guy's name for me to say the best commentary on the Bible is so-and-so? I got some great commentaries, but not a lot. I can refer you to some real good commentaries because there's some men out there that believe every word of this book and study it and teach it as it is. They don't correct it. But not very many. And the best co- those men taught me the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So let's take a look at the Bible and let's see what the Bible has to say about it. John chapter 13, look at verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked on one another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. I made mention to that this morning. What a neat thing where God has particular relationships with different men and and says, Daniel, thou art greatly beloved. Abraham, you're my friend. David, you're a man after my own heart. Joseph, you're faithful. And John was a greatly beloved disciple whom Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Then He, lying on Jesus' breast, said, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a what? You know what's a good thing you've got a King James Bible? Because a sop is an old archaic word that they make sure they update for you. (laughs) Evil laugh, and when they smile, the light glitters off the gold tooth, and you can see the horns if you move the right direction. Because we're going to update this to make it easier to understand. What's inspiring you to get rid of SOP? Now, now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'd be interested to do it. I'd probably have pretty decent success in this room, but if I said, hand me the SOP, most of you'd be like, huh? Right? In this generation, would you not? So we need to make this easier to understand. That's the lie. You know why? Because Satan's trying to cover up who he is. I can show you passages where the new Bibles give the name that's assigned to Jesus Christ to Lucifer, and they reverse the same thing. The bright morning star versus the morning star, and they switch the thing up so that they accidentally, accidentally assign the wrong names. You better not mess with the Lord's word because he said, if you do, I'm going to reprove you and you're going to be found a liar. So I wouldn't change that, even though that's archaic. Now watch. When, he, when I have dipped it, all right, so he said, he it is to whom I give the sop when I dipped it. Do you think maybe you could figure out what that is without a scholar's help? I mean, like if I, if I walked up to you with a 45, safety off and one in the chamber, put it right on your forehead and said, read that verse and I'll give you three guesses to figure out what a sop is. And as long as you get about 80% close, I won't pull the trigger. Do you think you could figure it out? <laughs> I'm just talking about calling the bluff when they say this. It's hard to understand. I love it when they say, yeah, I've read my Bible, cover to cover. Yeah, I read, you read your Bible, cover to cover. <laughs> you lying dog, man. I can tell in three seconds when I talk to you whether or not you've actually read. If I really try to find out, you understand what I'm saying? It ain't going to take me long at all to find out if you've read it. I know how hard it is to get through some of those chronicles and numbers and all that stuff. And I love my Bible. I'm obsessed with it. You're telling me you read. Well, I read the Bible cover to cover. And I'm just telling you. I just do. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I mean. Graciously, you know, please be quiet, my dear friend. I'm, t- I'm, I'm saying, I'm not being a jerk. I'm talking that way when people are acting like that and they're discrediting the Bible as though they know what they're talking about. Does that make sense? I'm not being a jerk. I mean, maybe I am, but, but it makes a little sense. <laughs> 
He said, when I've dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now watch this. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Satan literally stepped into Judas's body. Satan, not a devil. Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. Now, very important to understand what's happening. Go to John chapter 17. Look at verse 12. Interestingly enough, prior to this, Jesus said, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a what? I heard a real interesting teaching that I'm not going to necessarily plant my flag on it, but I thought it was worthy of thought. He said, It looks possibly like that Judas had a father, if you run the references, who had leprosy. And Jesus was in his father's house but didn't heal his father. And here's Judas following Jesus around, watching him heal the sick and raise the dead and work all these miracles. And there's a good chance that Judas had a dying dad that Jesus chose not to heal. And Judas got bitter at Jesus for not healing his father and wound up a root of bitterness springing up, troubled him, and got defiled, got a devil. Or was it double from the beginning, possibly? But it's very possible that he, he had some kind of bitterness toward the Lord because the Lord didn't heal his father. That was an interesting thought. Either way, you know that he was a devil according to Jesus Christ and Satan entered into him right there at the Last Supper. In John chapter 17, look at verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost save the what? That the scripture might be fulfilled. Save the sop. Do you understand what I'm saying? Save the sop, son of perdition. You know, when you change the word sop over there in, 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 in Genesis chapter 13, you erase the connection between Judas and the son of perdition. You know what you're doing? You're confusing end time prophecy. People can't study their Bible and figure out who and what this is. That's Lucifer's agenda. It has nothing to do with you understanding God's word better because it's archaic. It has to do with masking who he is. Don't you know that these American Satanists, I'm not talking about voodoo people in South Africa or Haiti or any of the rest of that. I'm talking about these American Satanists and a mainstream Satanism in England and Europe. They don't even believe in the real personage of Satan himself. You know that, right? They don't believe he exists. That's what he likes that. He wants to erase your knowledge of him. I mean, Sun Tzu in the Art of War didn't learn anything Lucifer didn't know already. You got to know your opponent and you got to know yourself. And he knows he don't want you to know him. But God will show you in that book, not on YouTube. Not Googling. You hear me, guys? Not Googling. God will show you in that book who he is and you can get the right information on it and you can understand how he works and you get it in a safe way when you get it from God's word where you'll be okay. You start getting it from YouTube and you might open yourself up to something you don't want to open yourself up to. You better be careful about messing around with that stuff. All right, don't be studying books on witchcraft. You got no business knowing about that. God will give you everything you need right here in this pulpit, right there in that book in your lap. Go to Acts chapter 1, please. I'm not trying to be a control freak, and I'm not telling you what to do in your private life. I'm warning you because I've watched it. I've seen it happen, and I'm warning you. 
I'm not being dramatic. I'm warning you. I've seen it happen. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 25. That he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas fell by, trans- by, which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go where? He went to his own place. You know where that place is? It's a bottomless pit. He was and is not, and yet is, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Go to John chapter 10. I got three more references here to show you, and then we'll get to the point. John chapter 10. I'm going to show you this because it's coming up here in Revelation pretty soon. Look at John 10, 33. The Jews then answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. Now watch God define, watch the Bible define blasphemy. Because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Right? When a man makes himself God, according to these guys right here, it's blasphemy. Now watch this. Go to Matthew chapter 23. You you see why the Catholic Church don't want you to know your Bible? You see why they told my grandpa, when my grandpa started asking questions, and my dad was witnessing to him, and working on him, and working on him, and working on him, and... And, and they, they, my grandpa had an alcohol problem, and they had one of their little fundraiser things, and they put my grandpa responsible over the beer tent. And the priest knew my grandpa had an alcohol problem. Bad. I mean, bad, bad. He knew it. And he said, I want you to run the beer tent. My grandpa was trying to get sober. Made my grandpa kind of mad. And he, he got a Bible because my dad gave it to him and brought his Bible into church because he had a beef with his priest and they'd been kind of going at it. And that's just sort of my grandpa's nature. He kind of went after everybody sooner or later. And the Lord was using that maverick personality he had to get the truth to him. And so here he is at the Bible in church. And as he's leaving the church, the priest said, John, don't bring that book in here anymore. I'll tell you what it means. Just leave it at home. And he went to my dad and he finally said, what's up with that? Dad said, I'm trying to tell you, they don't want you to know what it says. My grandpa wound up getting saved. Matthew chapter 23, verse 9. And call call no man your father upon earth. For one is your father, which is in heaven. You remember what I just showed you about blasphemy? When a man makes himself God, God said, don't call a man your father. Now, that's not wrong for you to call your dad father, because throughout the Bible, his father was, his father was, right? The context is a spiritual title that a man takes to himself and then wants all of you to call him father. Somebody asked me recently, they said, they found out I'm a pastor, and they said, well, what what do we call you? What, What do you go by? I said, well, I go by Mike. He's not a member of my church. I said, I go by pastor. I go by preacher. I said, I don't mind being called a minister because the Bible says we're ministers of Christ. I don't mind being called a minister. I said, I don't want to be called reverend because God's reverend and no man's reverend. So don't call me reverend and don't call me father. And he said, fair enough. Or I'll beat you. No, I didn't say I'll beat you up. (laughs) He might have got that feeling. Second Thessalonians. I want to show you something else here. Second Thessalonians. That stuff makes me mad. I'm scared. It's not because I'm a tough guy. I'm scared. You understand that? I don't want to steal God's glory. I showed you this morning, or I actually quoted it, referenced you to it uh, uh, verbally, that 
God let a man get ate up of worms for give, not giving God the glory. That scares me, boy. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, look at verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the what? The sop. It's a man. A man of sin who's going to be revealed. Watch what he does in verse 4. He's hidden right now. He's going to be revealed. Who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sitteth as God, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. When the Pope sits there on his little throne, he speaks ex cathedra as though God on earth. He can change doctrines. How can you go and change doctrines that the church has always stood for and now you can change doctrine? Didn't I talk to you this morning about truth? Didn't I tell you the truth is impartial? Truth does not change with time. Truth is truth. You can't change it. It, it is what it is. So if homosexuality was wrong 300 years ago, homosexuality is wrong today. So how can the church all of a sudden, with the blessing of God on it, bless same-sex unions? How is that possible? You're God, huh? You mean you get to rewrite the rules? I was telling this gentleman I was just talking to the other day, he was like, how would you go at these guys? I said, look, man, you can't. When you try to tell them they're sinners because they think they're getting their righteousness by the law, you know what they'll do? They'll rewrite all the rules because they don't believe the Bible. You see how that works? So you point out to them, hey, your fornication's a sin. They'll rewrite the rule. Oh, no, it's not. It's love. Hey, your pornography's a sin. You're filthy before God. Oh, no, it's not. It's art. Hey, your lying's a sin. Well, that's a little white lie. It's not just I'm doing it for all the better good. Hey, hey, your adultery's wrong before God. Well, you know, the, the, the rules have all changed. The morality's changed. And as long as there's love, you can love multiple people. You love yourself, you lying pervert. Amen. That's good preaching. Thank you. I appreciate the support. No, seriously, people get all squeamish about that stuff nowadays. Would you stink and give me a break, man? No, we're not going soft on that stuff because this generation's lost there. might burn me at the stake. I mean, you tie my hands up and burn me at the stake, I'll just spit on you from the, from the stake, amen? Like, let's, whatever. Truth is truth, and I'm not allowed to compromise it. Do you get that? We're not going soft on that stuff. I don't care what they're brainwashing these kids with in school. <gasps> That's hate speech. Well, get, no, God loves them enough to send his son to die for them. You don't even understand love. And he loves them enough to say that's wrong. Now repent of it and get it right so you can have a healthy life. Tell me God doesn't love them. God does love them. I mean, well, he did love them at the cross. You know what I mean? He's angry with the wicked every day. You want the love of God, get to the cross. Till then, the wrath of God abides on you, according to John. But I digress. Go back to Revelation chapter 17, if you would. So now this makes a little bit of sense if we look back at this verse. He was, is not. Judas went out and hung himself. And then he went to his place, according to Acts chapter 1. And this tells us his place is in the bottomless pit. And he goes into perdition, same word is used. Every word of God is pure. You go rewrite the Bible, you lose these cross-references in your new Bibles. Can't find it. So from perdition, he comes up. He was, the beast that was. Is not. Why? Because he went down and yet is. Satan's still working. 
Satan entered into his body, used him, put him down, and it's the man of sin. And the man of sin is going to be revealed in the end times. Look at the next verse. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. All right. All right, so wisdom. Where does that come from? Well, yeah, well, I mean, there's two different kinds of wisdom. There's worldly wisdom. That makes a lot of sense to the human mind. You can get that by going to school, paying enough money, sitting in class, paying attention, taking good notes, getting good grades. You can get worldly wisdom by having some street sense and being around a little bit and going through some stuff. You can get some real good sense about you and just get figure how stuff works and figure it out, figure people out and all that kind of stuff. You can come out on top with worldly wisdom. But God said the worldly wisdom is earthly, sensual, and devilish. And then there's wisdom that cries out in the streets and calls to the young men and the passers-by and says, Would you come in? Come to my voice. Listen to my voice. And that's Jesus Christ. That's God Almighty. That's the Holy Spirit of God. That's this book in front of you. That's a Bible-believing, God-fearing, Jesus Christ-exalting local church saying, Come on in and get some help. And it's not anything that's natural to you. And you can't perceive it unless the Spirit of God shows it to you. So here's wisdom. The seven heads... Are seven mountains. It's all an allegory. It's defined. You see that? The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. You know what that is? It's Rome. Vatican City. It's a city on seven hills. Just Google. It's the city on seven hills. It still is. It's so plain you can't miss it unless you want to miss it. The only thing, this is so bright. The light is so bright coming out of this thing that the only thing that can make you miss it is a dark heart. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen. One is. The other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. All right, hang on. When you run this thing back and you look at world history, you got seven kings. You got Nimrod, Genesis chapter 10, and you got Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. All right? So when you take the two Babylons, Nimrod, Babylon, and under Nebuchadnezzar, you got one. They're both Babylon. Then you got Egypt under Pharaoh for two, Assyria under Sennacherib for three, uh, Persia under Cyrus for four, um, uh, Greece under Alexander the Great, and then you got Caesar of Rome. You got seven total. So when you had Caesar of Rome come in and set up at the time of Christ, you remember that? Rome went from the literal world-dominating power in those, those world systems it transferred into something spiritual. Just like the body of Christ went from a physical, national people and translated into something spiritual. The church, right? What is the church? In, in the Old Testament, it was very clear who God's people were, right? No mystery associated with that. It was a bloodline. It was Israel. I've been showing you that on Wednesday nights. No doubt about it. And that promise is not going away. And I've been proving that to you going through Romans from the Bible. There's no doubt that that promise is not going anywhere. 
So that thing translated into a spiritual kingdom, which is right now you're in the kingdom of God, a spiritual kingdom, right? The kingdom of heaven is coming in the millennium in the future, but right now you got a spiritual kingdom. Well, the same thing, the devil's copycat and everything God does. So you got all those kingdoms, and then it says that eighth is of the seven. It's coming out of Rome. Because the last system set up of those kings that he's talking about up till this point, when this is being written, the last of those things was Rome. That was that seventh kingdom. And then he says the one that's coming is, is the eighth. He's coming in the future, and he's of the seven. And the seven was Rome under Caesar. The Roman Catholic Church. It went to a mystery. Now, I've been talking to you about the mysteries, right? Is this making sense to you? And he's sitting back going, whoa. And God's like, she's drunk with blood. Look at her colors and look at what she's riding. She's riding the beast and look at the connection to the son of perdition and the man of sin that's going to come and oppose God and exalt himself as though he's in God. He's going to sit in the temple of God, declare he's God as God speaking on earth. And they call him father. And they wear black robes. It's Baal worship going all the way back to that Nimrod stuff, all the way back to the Old Testament. Balak and Balaam and Baal. It's ancient Ah, the Bible tells you there's no new thing under the sun. You know, we're developing. There's no new thing under the sun. There's a spirit that's been working and is still working, and he is. He was, he is not, yet is. And it's coming back. But right now, he's kind of clandestine. It's the spirit that's ruling in this world. It's the God of this world. It's Lucifer. He was manifested in a man copycat in Jesus, he dies, he's going to get resurrected, copycat in Jesus, and he's going to walk into the temple and sit down and say, I'm God, copycat in Jesus. And it blew his mind because that man is connected to the beast, and the beast enters into the man. You follow me? But it's a woman riding the beast. It's a religious system hooked up with Lucifer. Scary stuff, ain't it? Verse 12, and the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. So he's going to raise them up. You start cross-referencing this stuff, we don't have time. You start cross-referencing this stuff with Daniel, and it is amazing what picture you get. These have one mind. What's the Lord tell you to do? Be of one mind. Unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The mind you and I are supposed to have is the mind of Christ. There's no self-willed stuff in church. My way, my color carpet, I wanted different color curtains. I, would deal, I dealt with all that in my first church. That lasted six months. I couldn't take it. I could not take it. Bunch of childishness. Church ain't about all that stuff. It's about Jesus Christ. You're supposed to have one mind. These guys have one mind. They have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. What a name, boy. They're making war with the Lamb. Well, you should have made peace with the Lamb before you got to this point, fool. They're making war with Him. And they that are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. That's us. He saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. I'll come back to that in a minute. 
And the ten beasts which thou sawest upon, uh, ten horns, excuse me, which thou sawest upon the beast, she, these shall hate the whore. Lucifer don't love her. He's using her. He's the pimp. And the pimp is using her to get what he wants out of her. You think he loves something that names the name of Christ? The ten horns thou sawest upon the beast, these hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. See that? For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. We'll give you some more light on that Wednesday night as we get through this thing in Romans chapter 9. And to agree, and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God. You see that? Until the words of God. You see that? Words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest, look at him, he's wanting you not to miss it, is that great city which reigned over the kings of the earth. So in verse 15, he said, the waters which thou sawest, he defines it. It's not all this ambiguous allegory that some religious leader gets to define to you. The Bible makes it clear. The waters are people and tongues and nations and the whore is sitting on those waters. And the woman is a great city that reigns over the kings of the earth. I got this from the, their, their own website, Roman Catholic website, okay? The Holy See conducts an active diplomacy. As noted, it maintains formal diplomatic relations with over 177 nations and the Order of Malta. 78 of these maintain permanent resident diplomatic missions accredited to the Holy See in Rome. The rest have missions located outside Italy with dual accreditation. The Holy See maintains 106 permanent diplomatic missions to nation states. Furthermore, the Holy See has two separate permanent diplomatic missions, one to the European Union, another to the Russian Federation. The Holy See is especially active. By the way, they're not too upset about Russia-Ukraine because they're driving all them Orthodox out of Ukraine into the Catholic Poland and all those other Catholic states. So he ain't really all that worried about bringing peace between Russia and Ukraine. Just FYI. Um, the Holy See is especially active in international organizations. The Holy See has diplomatic relations with the European Union in Brussels. It's a permanent observer of the United Nations Organization, Organization of American States in Washington, African Union, World Tourist Organization, World Trade Organization, World Health Organization, Whole Food Program, United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, United Nations Environmental Program, United Nations International Drug Control Program, United Nations Center for Human Settlements, Latin Union, International Organization for Migration, International Labor Organization, International Fund for Agri Agricultural Development, and the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization. The Holy See is also an observer on an informal basis, of course, of the whole World Meteorologic, Meteorological Organization in Geneva, United Nations Committee of Peaceful Use of Outer Space. What have I told you guys about outer space? What did I show you this morning? God told you it's not for you. Now what religious leaders worried about outer space? Maybe one, maybe one, maybe one that's going to get hooked up with a beast that's going to come down from outer space to enter into a man, the soul, while the spirit comes up from the underworld, from his place, from the bottomless pit, and enters into a man that gets killed in the tribulation period, 
who is called a holy father and gets murdered, according to Zechariah, a wound on his right arm and his eye, and he's laying there dead, and a spirit enters into that dead man and gets that man of sin up out of the casket for the whole world to see a resurrection. And while the spirit of Judas comes up and comes back into the, the man of sin, the son of perdition comes up there, the, 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 the soul, the father, the dragon, comes down and enters into him, and you got three in one sitting on a throne claiming that he's God. Ain't that a trip? This, uh, the Bible's boring, isn't it? It's just terrible. I'm just, ugh, church. <laughs> International Strategy for Disaster Reduction. <laughs> They're doing a great job at that. International Maritime Organization. African Asian Legal Consultative Committee. The International Civil Aviation Organization. The Holy See is a member. I'll be done in a minute. Don't worry. The Holy See is a member of the Organization of the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, International Telecommunication Union, International Telecommunication Satellite Organization, World Intellectual Property Organization, Universal Postal Union, International Institute for the Unification of Private Law, United Nations High Commission for Refugees, United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, International Grains Control, International Committee for Military Medicine, International Auto Ato Atomic Energy Agency, and the Preparatory Commission for the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization. She just might be, go look it up on her website. Look up, look up Vatican politics. She just might be reigning over the kings of the whole earth. She might have her hand in the pot somewhere. She might be a little richer than you think she is and much more demonic than you think. That's the great whore. All right, so on that happy note, ain't you glad you got the truth? That's a blessing to have a Bible, ain't it? And Revelation ain't that hard, so don't you let some preacher tell you you can't understand it. Yeah. All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer.